Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. You know, exposing Democrats as complete total frauds and the hypocrites they are, I'm under no illusions it's actually going to change any far-left Democrats' minds and get them to vote for sanity. But there are probably a lot of persuadable independents out there who with just days left to an election, I think we may be able to break through on. Got a loaded show for you today on a Friday. I've got one of the best pollsters in the country giving us an update right before Election Day. And I want to prove to you that these people are totally full of crap about this threat to democracy stuff. They are the threat to democracy. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Time to stand up to big tech. Get a VPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino today. Don't wait. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show on this Friday. I've got that. I've also got a really shocking article about the Hunter Biden story, an angle I hadn't heard before, but is in this new book about the computer salesman or repairman, uh, John Paul Mac Isaac, who got the Hunter Biden laptop, about exactly what the FBI was up to. Very strange. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. You ever heard of data brokers? They're the middlemen collecting the digital footprints you leave online. They use your browsing history and location data to sell your profile off to a company who delivers a targeted ad to you. No biggie, right? Well... You're probably surprised to learn that these same data brokers are selling your information to the Department of Homeland Security and the IRS. Yeah. To mask my digital footprints, you should too. I protect myself with ExpressVPN. Brokers aggregate data and tie it back to you through your device's unique IP address. You know that? It also reveals information about your location. When you're connected to ExpressVPN, your IP address is hidden, making it difficult for them to identify who you are. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your network traffic to keep your data safe from hackers on public Wi-Fi. That's why I have the ExpressVPN app downloaded on all my devices, phone, computer, tablets, even my home Wi-Fi router. All I got to do is tap one button and I'm protected. It's that easy. Get the best VPN money can buy. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino right now and get three extra months free. Expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Joseph, it's Friday, my friend. So ding, ding, ding. It's Friday. What happened? You had to do manual bell? Yes, I did. In between (laughs) your your last spot and that time, my computer crapped out. So I had to do the best I could do. Now it's running again. The Apollo Creed. Ding, ding. (laughs) Ding. No problem. My man. So that's all right, buddy. Here's what I mean by these people are entirely, completely full of crap. Folks, I'm making the final case, too. These people who tell you, Joe Biden, his final pitch yesterday, uh, excuse me, the day before, was it Wednesday night? when he gave the speech, was not about inflation, was not about the border, was not about the fentanyl crisis, was not about the war in Ukraine. His final pitch to voters was a pitch about threats to democracy and what he calls election deniers. He may have forgotten this. Joe, here's a guy. He looks like Joe Biden. He sounds like Joe Biden. Yeah. I'm not a sniffer, so I don't know if he smells like Joe Biden. Joe would know he's a sniffer, not you, Joe Biden. <laughs> Thank you. Here's a guy who looks kind of like Joe Biden questioning the midterm elections coming up on Tuesday. But I thought he said that was a threat to democracy. Check this out. Do you still believe the upcoming election will be fairly conducted and its results will be legitimate? Well, it all depends on uh, whether or not we're able to make the case to the American people that some of this is being set up to try to alter the outcome of the election. And it's one thing, look, maybe I'm just being uh, too much of an optimist, 
Remember how we thought not that many people were going to show up to vote in the middle of a pandemic? We had the highest voter turnout in the history of the United States of America. Well, um, I think if, in fact, no matter how hard they make it for minorities to vote, I think you're going to see them willing to stand in line and, and defy the attempt to keep them from being able to vote. I think you're going to see the people we're trying to keep from being able to show up showing up and making the sacrifice it needs to make in order to change the law back to what it should be. Um, and, uh, but it's going to be difficult. I, I, I make no bones about that. It's going to be difficult. But we're not there yet. We've not run out of options yet. And we'll see how this moves. Here he is questioning the midterm elections coming up in just a couple of days. Now, that happened months ago when Joe Biden was trying to push through a disastrous federal takeover of elections all over the country that would have made it easy to cheat for people. And he didn't like that. Voter integrity measures aren't Joe Biden's thing. So he's like, listen, we need this because the GOP is going to steal the next coming upcoming election. I thought that was a threat to democracy. We were just told that's an election denial routine right there. They're existential threats to democracy, folks. These people are full of crap. I would curse right now, but I don't want to cause any editing. And it's not the right thing to do. They're full of. Here, this is a good time to throw this one. And just as a reminder, before we get our pollster, we got Robert Cahaley coming up, the best pollster in the business. Please don't miss this. Don't usually do guests on the podcast, but it is Friday. Election day is this coming Tuesday. I want to know what's going to happen. I want a decent idea. This guy's the best one. But here's a montage, by the way, a short montage of Democrats who we were just told insist Republicans are election result deniers denying election results. And I want you to remember going into the election booth, these are the real threats to democracy. Check this out. You can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. How can you win with Russian interference, though? That's, That's a real what thing. I'm scared about no, in 2020. But, but rightly. Because right. I think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. So how do you... You know, fight against that in 2020. You are absolutely right. He's an illegitimate president in my mind. Would you be my vice president for candidate? <laughs> Folks, look, I absolutely agree. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election and he was put into office because the Russians interfered. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. The president elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. I don't see this president elect as a legitimate president. You said you believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election. I do. We have a president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may in fact not be a legitimate president. The one thing that Trump is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. I have an objection. I object to the 15 votes from the state of North Carolina. I object because people are horrified. He's an illegitimate president. Do you believe Trump is a legitimate president? What I believe is that there's no question that the outcome of this election was affected by the Russian interference. But there absolutely is a cloud of illegitimacy. So that legitimacy is in question, yes. So that was a very tainted election. <laughs> Again, we, we were just told those were viable threats to democracy. Threats to democracy. My gosh, that sounds serious. Yeah. The problem is it's coming from the left. Folks, we don't deny elections on the right. What we want is safe, secure elections that are easy to vote in and hard to cheat in. Anyone telling you otherwise is completely full of crap and you should disregard them immediately. The left actually wants to cheat in elections. 
And when they don't get the results they like, as you just saw from Joe Biden and in that montage, they're the ones who deny the results of elections, not us. All right, I've got a lot more to get to. Um, while we're on this election block, folks, Vanity Fair, uh, Gabe Sherman from Vanity Fair is already jumping ahead to 2024. I just, I, I just throw this in there because it, you have to understand there's a real kind of obsession with what Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis are up to behind the scenes. There are. Uh, the, the media loves this story for a couple of reasons. I, I don't know what Gabe Sherman's politics or opinion are and all this stuff. I'm, I'm just suggesting to you that this is evidence. It's Vanity Fair article. GOP insiders are starting to doubt Ron DeSantis would actually take on Donald Trump. They love this Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump 2024 story, even though 2022 hasn't even come yet, the election, for a number of reasons. They're deciding the liberal media now, and tell me if you guys think I'm wrong. They're deciding who to hate more. Now, because they're both conservatives, <laughs> am I cra- I'm not crazy, but they hate them both. That's, right. that's automatic. Doesn't matter how good of a governor DeSantis is, what his policies are. They're conservatives, so you obviously just hate them. They hate Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz, all of them. What they're trying to decide now is who should we hate more? DeSantis, who's kind of taken the Trump model of taking on the media and run with it, or Trump, who invented the take on the media model. That's why they love this rivalry. Because on any given day, if they want to bash Trump, they'll kind of toot DeSantis's horn a little bit to hurt Trump and create a rivalry. If they think DeSantis is more of a threat, they'll do the exact opposite and to Trump's horn a little bit just to take on DeSantis. Watch. It's starting now. They're obsessed with this. It's because they can't figure out who to hate more. You're seeing an evolution within the party that Donald Trump started. And the left isn't sure if DeSantis or Trump are actually bigger threats. When they settle on who's the bigger threat, I promise you, one of these guys will be the good guy. Am I confused? They do this every election cycle. <laughs> every ele- Joe, come on. Do they I'm not? George yes. Bush. Yes, yes. Evil incarnate. George Bush is Satan. He's on planet Earth. He's Satan. Hang him. He's the worst. Get him. Get the cholera. Reminds me of the Frankenstein movie. Get the cholera. And then Mitt Romney runs the most milquetoast Republican ever. And they're like, man, if we could only get George W. Bush back, Mitt Romney put his dog on the top of the car and killed his grandmother or whatever it is. Oh my gosh, Mitt Romney, the worst. The evil rich guy's coming for you. And he's white too, making it even worse, right? Yeah. This is, and then George Bush. And then Donald Trump runs, if we could only have a guy like Mitt Romney or John McCain. Those guys were just wonderful. I just want you to understand Whoever they pick is the worst bad guy. They will make the other guy look good. You don't let geese laughing. I'm telling you right now, if Ron DeSantis turns out to be a real threat to Trump, I guarantee and the mainstream media narratives, they will start saying, man, if we just had Trump back, I mean, he was so great. We love Trump. Okay. I spent way too much time on this story already. Mark my words though. You heard it here first. Okay. Uh, Another quick note about, Upcoming elections, you know, this uh, I've been very down on the swamp GOP for a long time. If you're a listener to the show, you know that I don't even have to repeat that for you here because you hear it all the time. My my axiomatic truth of the show has always been that Republicans aren't the solution to all your problems, the swampy ones. But the Democrats are the cause of all your problems because I get the question a lot and we'll do the question segment later. Um, Dan, why do you keep voting Republican? You know, they're just not doing what we elected them to do. 
Because I, in a world of marginal bad and worse choices, I'll take the bad one over the worse one. I don't live in a fantasy land utopia. I live in the real world I've been given. But this story, I like this story a little bit, story in Axios. I think the swampy GOP is finally waking up a little bit. I don't want to get dramatic. It's not like, you know, pop the the the, the Dom Perignon or whatever. Or, or, but Axios, Kevin McCarthy, who stands to be probably the next Speaker of the House, privately floats the idea of replacing the Chamber of Commerce leadership. You know, I, I'm not in this guy's, but I, don't have, I have no kind of, uh, you know, dog in this fight. With them, I'm a conservative uh, first, a Republican, a distant second. But the Chamber of Commerce, we've been in hock to them for a long time. The Chamber of Commerce thought it would be a good idea to get in a bed with 23 Democrats they endorsed. So the GOP in D.C. and the swampy side, again, let's not get too excited, but this is good news. We shouldn't play it down. It's finally like, you know what? Eh, we don't need you guys. We need them, the MAGA crowd and the people out there. We'll see where that goes. All right, a lot of important stories. Uh, I got coming up for you next. I got Robert Cahaley. He's an incredible pollster. We're going to talk about polling problems, potential upsets. I want to ask about the abortion effect and uh, some potential border races coming up. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. All right, as I said before, I want to welcome in one of the most accurate pollsters from Trafalgar, someone who uh, gets it right or close to it, unlike some of these other outlets, our friend Robert Cahaley from the Trafalgar Group. Robert, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Hey, it's always an honor to be here. Thank you. You got it. So the race is coming up, obviously, on Tuesday, Wednesday. We should know, at least with most of them, if there's not delayed counting. First, your general thoughts on some of the polling issues in this cycle. They've been all over the place. Uh, you have a method for uh, over at Trafalgar. You guys do it a little differently over there. What makes you guys more accurate? Well, part of it is we don't believe in one simple collection method. Uh, we, we give people lots of ways to participate, whether it's uh, participating via text, via email, uh, phone call, online, lots of different ways, but we always focus on just voters, no online panels. We keep the survey short because we think that's the key to getting average people to participate. We give people a little bit of time, give me a couple of days from the time they first hear about the poll and just try to cater to them a little more. We also poll more people and every, we don't do a statewide race with less than a thousand people. So you'll never see in these nonsense 400 samples, you won't see that stuff out of us. It's at least a thousand every time every state without exceptions. And keeping the questionnaire short really does make a difference and just doing things just a little differently. And the other thing is we're trying to get it right because that's the only thing that is beneficial to us. And I'm not sure some of the others, their goal is getting it right. That's definitely yeah. way to go. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, I, I think you're correct. I think some of it's ideological with pollsters, not with you guys. Uh, let me ask you again, a, a, a kind of bird's eye view question before we get into some specific races. The Democrats put, uh, you know, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars 
into abortion messaging uh, after the, uh, the the Roe Dobbs decision. Did you see that move the needle? I mean, we've seen some evidence out of Kansas. It may have, but for this midterm election, now that we're separated from that decision a little more, what are you seeing with that? Well, I mean, just for a quick second, because I think people do refer to Kansas a lot. If you had read the wording of that amendment, right. simply an amendment that allowed the legislature to talk about abortion, but it was so confusing. And so they were able to dominate with the message of it was an abortion ban, which it was not. Uh, no, but when we look at it, yes, they spent over $100 million on these ads. And this is proved just how D.C. and New York centric they are. They thought that abortion in January 6th were the primary issues. They weren't. We found that less than 20 percent of people said abortion was a number one issue. And of, you know, it was like 18 percent of that 18 percent, 80 percent lived in a state where abortion wasn't in jeopardy. So, no, it really wasn't moving the ball at all. So that sounds like the Democrats put a lot of money into an issue that may not be moving the needle as much as they think. So that's kind of good news for me. I'm a conservative. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the thing is, they wanted it to be the issue that that that's they got all in on something that they thought was their silver bullet. And it just it just wasn't, especially because we asked, you know, they talk about suburban women. We asked them to rank things like, do you feel safe going to the grocery store or convenience store at night? Are you ready about your kids or your grandkids overdosing a fentanyl from across the border? Both of those ranked higher than abortion did as concerns. Robert, let's go to some of the individual races. One that has me particularly interested, given that I was born there, is the New York governor's race. Not a race that's been competitive uh, since George Pataki, the Republican governor, left office. No Republican has played there in a long time. Lee Zeldin's closing in on a number of polls, but I'm not interested in those polls. I'm interested in what you think. What do you think the chances are we could take New York State back? I think the chances are excellent. About two and a half months ago, I recognized in New York what I saw in New Jersey last year. And I just wish we could have pulled it earlier. Uh, we got it within 1.3, but I saw that it was going to be more competitive than others realized. So everyone said it was not. And then the closer we get, you know, we had it four, we had it two, and now we have these other up by one. The other thing we kept getting was Cuomo. They kept talking about Cuomo. Every time we call it Cuomo, oh, Cuomo this, Cuomo mm-hmm. that, he would have done better. So in this last poll, after we asked the ballot test, we asked the question, who did a better job, Hochul or Cuomo? Cuomo won that 60-40. Then we said, if your choice today were Cuomo versus Zeldin, how would you vote? Cuomo wow. beat Zeldin 55-45, which tells me that Cuomo, <laughs> the Cuomo element is a big part of the coalition out there. This is the machine that's been in existence in New York since the 80s. I think they're lukewarm on her, and they re- and they and they think that he'll do a better job on crime. So that is definitely part of this coalition. I'm not surprised at all. I mean, Cuomo, I completely disagree with the man's politics. I think that's self-evident given the conservative content in my show, but he was a more gifted politician than Kathy Hochul. She just doesn't seem to have any of the gifts necessary to project that, uh, that image she needs to win statewide in New York. It may have played well in some portions of the district, but certainly not playing well across the state. Yeah, Manhattan is not New York. Yeah, she's learning that the hard way. Let's go to some other races I think could be potential upsets. And, you know, if you want to comment on all of them or pick a few, or uh, it's fine with me. But I think we have the potential to pick up 52 to 54 Senate seats. I think it's possible, um, even likely in the 52 range. Some of the seats that are outliers, but we have a shot at. Colorado, uh, that race looks like, a, you know, we may have a shot there. Uh, New Hampshire, Don Bolduc, Maggie Hassan. 
Um, also, Washington, Tiffany, Smiley, Patty Murray. You think we have a shot at any of those races or all three or not? Yeah, I think all three. And, you know, uh, two weeks ago, I would have told you Colorado wasn't in range. Our, our, that was the only state that our, uh, the poll went backward for the Republican. But the last poll we did, it's within two points. And a lot of the people who've been undecided have just gotten bored with him. Uh, O'Day versus um, the incumbent. And so I think that one is definitely within range. We have Bulldog up by one point. San Aspen's College also has Bulldog up by one point. Uh, we've seen the establishment abandon Bulldog, but a lot of outside groups and a great ground organization in place there. I would say I think Bulldog's most likely to win of those three. And Smiley, we've got it within one point. People say the cake's baked because it's all mail-in, but you know they've got less than a million votes in. A three million will likely be cast. So there's a lot left, and people in Seattle have kind of had it with Chaz and all this stuff. And she's just the first chance to take it out on somebody. You know, people get mad they want to vote against an incumbent, and there's Murray. <laughs> yeah, Tiffany Smiley's running unbelievably disciplined campaign. I, I for a first-time candidate at that level, it's stunning. How well of a campaign she's run, <laughs> right? She is undoubtedly she, one of the best yeah. candidates that GLP has. She shocked a lot of people. Um, a couple other races I wanted to get into that I, I see in, in other polls as well have been leaning Republican. Uh, we've had, obviously, a big turnaround in Pennsylvania Senate. Your thoughts on the Oz-Fetterman race. Oz had been down in some poll, not yours necessarily, but by double digits about six months ago. And now uh, we're seeing these polls essentially within the margin of error. Your thoughts on that race? Well, you know, the, the most important thing was for a while, everybody out of just good taste was just leaving Fetterman alone while he recovered. Nobody left Oz alone. So Oz did start at a, you know, a down, uh, he was, you know, down a few points because he'd been beat on and couldn't hit back. But now that Fetterman's out there and be able to, you know, campaign and, and Oz will be able to kind of run an effective campaign. Yeah, we've got that race very close. We're going to be putting out a new poll in Pennsylvania probably tomorrow morning. Uh, very competitive. I continue to make the case that if the Republican establishment had not abandoned Mastriano to the degree they have and just backed him a little bit, Oz will already be ahead. They, you know, these things are tied together whether you like it or not. And Mastriano has built an incredible ground campaign and he can just have a little bit of attention. This Oz will already be winning this race, but it, it's an uphill climb. Pennsylvania is a very challenging place to run. Uh, but I, I still think when it's all said and done, Oz may very well get the most votes. We'll see what that means. Now, there are two races I'm interested in. I ask you about these two. One more question and we'll let you go. We're talking to Robert Cahaley from the Trafalgar Group. I really appreciate your time in this Friday before Election Day here. Um, the uh, the Herschel Walker race and the Adam Laxalt race. Laxalt has run, again, a very disciplined campaign. He has statewide name ID from prior races and prior offices. Laxalt has been at either tied or ahead for a long time now. But Nevada has been trending kind of blue, maybe trending back a little bit red, but traditionally considered a purple-leaning blue state. Your thoughts on Laxalt and then uh, on Walker after that, who seems to be closing pretty strong, too. We've had we've had Black Salt up in our last three polls. Uh, Lombardo's doing great for governor. And the combination, I mean, these things, again, are a little bit symbiotic. And those two have benefited each other greatly. Uh, and they, they're both doing well. We've got them, you know, two or three points up each one. I think Black Salt was up four and Lombardo was up five the last time. It's, you know, there's a lot going on in Nevada. One of the things to keep in mind is, 
they were uniquely affected by COVID. So many of the outlying, I mean, even if some of the casinos were open, the hotels were under all the restrictions. This is an economy based on service jobs. And these people took it hard during COVID. Uh, these people are also now the targets, the new IRS agents, uh, because they are the ones paid with cash and tips and through apps. And so add to that, the, the Hispanics have seen just how far the left has gone in abandoning any kind of uh, acceptance of religion or, or faith of any kind, and they're abandoning them. So these numbers with Hispanics are continuing to grow. We will see that in Nevada. And uh, I think regardless of whatever shenanigans happen in Nevada, I think they will win by big enough margins to overcome that. Now, in Georgia, uh, that race was really, frankly, it was back and forth until the debate. But since the debate, uh, first poll came out, Landmark was a uh, very respected Georgia group, had it dead even. Atlanta Journal-Constitution cannot stand Herschel Walker. If he landed on the moon, they would say Herschel disturbs the natural habitat. I mean, they hate the guy. And they even had to concede he's winning by one. We had him up by two and a half. Matt Tower with Insider Advantage had him up by three. Rasputin had him up by five. And only the New York Times-Siena is the one that says that Herschel's behind. Add to that, the last 10 days have been a ad, a sweet ad that Vince Dewey made endorsing Herschel Walker, his long time, his coach, and the Georgia legend, like the Bear Bryant of Georgia. That was his last thing he did on this earth. He passed away Friday. That ad has been running uh, before his death and after. He put, this is his last wish was Herschel. Uh, all the tributes, the news, nothing is penetrating this news. It is the only thing on the local news is the things in the paper. And you don't talk about this story without talking about Herschel Walker, because that's his national championship. And his Heisman Trophy are all tied to Herschel Walker. And it is it, it is a conveyance of things that have happened, probably along with Coach Dewey's wishes, because, you know, he had a way of getting what he wanted, uh, that I think lead not only Herschel to winning, but the likelihood of him avoiding a runoff is in the cards now. Wow, that's yeah. We I definitely don't want to run off in that race. He needs to get to fifty one. Last question: the uh, a lot of con competitive uh, congressional races along the border. You may not have pulled these directly, but the general environment in the border states, Arizona, Texas, New Mexico, has been favoring Republicans for a long time, given the border crisis going on there. We have three races down there: Cassie Garcia running for Congress in Texas, Monica De La Cruz, and Congresswoman Myra Flores running for reelection. You know, we've been told in the past, you can't win down there. Demographics is destiny. Hispanic voters, blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns out that they found out the hard way that Hispanic voters love what every other American voter loves. Good education, safe streets, and a safe country. How do you think those uh, congressional races down there on the southern border could turn out? Could we flip some of those seats? Absolutely. Because it, there's really nothing more insulting than just assuming a group of people is monolithic because <laughs> yeah. of their race or ethnicity. And they learn in the hard way that everybody deserves uh, politicians to be interested in their vote, not take it for granted. And I think these Republicans run these clever candidates, these candidates who can relate to them and, and speak the truth to them and see exactly the, the impact of immigration, is, what immigration is doing, uh, what what the economy is doing. They know what is best for their families. And guess what? Everybody makes decisions that's best for their families. And that's not something that has anything to do with race or ethnicity. Yeah. And you're seeing it now with the transition from Hispanic voters over to the GOP. It's it's a glorious thing to see. Make both of these parties fight for their vote. Don't take anything for granted. So, Robert, uh, I appreciate 
your expertise. I, I know you guys after Wednesday, we'll just see just how accurate you guys were. And I'm sure you're going to beat everyone else. You guys are fantastic. Trafalgar Group. Robert Gahaley, thanks for your time. Thank you, sir. I hope you have a great weekend. And you as well. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break for a couple more sponsors. We really appreciate your patience with that. And we're going to get back to the show. I've got some material on uh, the break in the Hunter Biden case and a Miranda Devine piece in the New York Post. Something I hadn't anticipated. So uh, don't go anywhere. Let's take a quick break for our sponsors. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition. This is Field of Greens, my favorite product. I've been with Brickhouse Nutrition for a long time. They're one of my original sponsors. I said to them a long time ago, I love fruits and vegetables. I know I have to eat them for, uh, for my health. Um, I understand that, but I just don't like preparing them. I said, you think you guys can put together a fruit and vegetable powder that tastes great? And they did. Field of Greens. I've been taking it. It is my go-to forever. Ghee loves it. Joe loves it. I love it. Lemon lime is great. Wild berry. Folks, Field of Greens is packed with 18 essential fruits and vegetables loaded with antioxidants, pre and probiotic. There's no mixing, mixing and matching pills. You take a scoop, throw it in your favorite beverage, protein shake, water. I put it in green tea sometimes and you're done. I feel better. I have more energy. I can't vouch in strong enough terms for this product. I love it. I have the peace of mind knowing I'm giving my body the nutrients it needs to function. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan and get 15% off your first order with the promo code Dan. Pick up Field of Greens today. Stop taking chances with your health. Even better, subscribe and save an additional 10% every month. With all the viruses out there, it can't hurt to reinforce your immune system. Plus, studies show that eating fruits and vegetables can support heart health, blood pressure, a healthy metabolism, and more. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan and pick up Field of Greens today. They have lemon, lime, wild berry, and original. It's fantastic. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Promo code Dan. Appreciate your patience. So another sponsor, uh, and then we're going to get back to the content. I've got a Hunter Biden story coming up. You're not going to want to miss in the New York Post. Our next sponsor, Magic Spoon. Folks, this is an actual box of Magic Spoon cereal. You can see this how my kids eat it. They tear open the box because they can't wait. Why? Because it's just delicious. It's cereal that's good, and it's good for you. It's delicious. Magic Spoon has replicated your favorite childhood cereals to taste good and be good for you. Each serving contains zero grams of sugar, over 13 grams of protein, and less than five net grams of carbs. It's low-carb, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and only 140 calories a serving. I have a little bowl at night where I go to sleep because it's good. With Magic Spoon, you can build your own custom bundle of cereal with flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry muffin, maple waffle, honey nut cookies and cream, and cinnamon roll. Just go to magicspoon.com slash Bongino. Grab a custom bundle of cereal and be sure to use our promo code Bongino at checkout to save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon's so confident in their product, it's back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Bongino and use the code Bongino to save $5 off. Thanks, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. All right. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. Let me get back to the content of the show. Appreciate Robert Cahaley there. Folks, the New York Post article by Miranda Devine here. It's in my newsletter today, bongino.com slash newsletter. Check it out. It's something I hadn't considered about this FBI case. You know, they seem to have a head start 
on the Hunter Biden story right before the 2020 election. And I've been thinking about this along with a number of other contacts. How is it that the FBI, the intel community, and others had a lot of this material? Remember, Joe, that letter 51 intelligence officials say the Hunter Biden laptop story, whatever, yeah. Russian disinfo. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I mean, I've been wondering to myself for a while, how did they seem to have this narrative all ready to go? I mean, everybody knew Hunter Biden was a problem. Believe me, everyone in the White House knew Hunter Biden was a problem. You dig? Everyone. But they didn't know the extent of the problem until the laptop emerged. So it's kind of strange that they were ready to rock and roll right away. Miranda Devine has this piece in the New York Post, how the government hid the truth behind Hunter Biden's laptop. And there's a couple of revelations in here I hadn't considered before. She addresses here how the FBI kind of pre-censored the story by using what they would call cutouts here. She says DHS recommended the use of, of, of third-party nonprofit groups as clearinghouses for information to avoid the appearance of government propaganda. It was reported by The Intercept this week in that story we covered about the DHS working with big tech, how they used third-party entities, the government, to then contact big tech as kind of cutouts. In the spy business, she notes that's what's called the cutout, points out this guy Schindler, a former senior intelligence analyst with the NSA. In other words, a deniable intermediary legally to spread the White House's propaganda. This is what worries me about these groups that say, like, citizens for a cleaner Internet. The purpose of these groups, a lot of them funded by far left-wing billionaires, is solely to be intermediaries for the government as conduits to big tech. So the government has plausible deniability say, oh, we didn't contact big tech, Joe. We contacted citizens for a cleaner Internet. So it's a nice little way to disconnect the government from the big tech people to say you're not the one deputizing them to take out free speech, to take free speech down. But here, this is the part that interested me most about the piece, not just the cutout. She talks about the censorship game specifically as it relates to Hunter Biden. She says a perfect example of how the censorship regime works is the Hunter Biden laptop. Two FBI agents, Elvis Chan and Laura Demlo, Heard about them earlier in the week, have been identified in documents uncovered by the Missouri lawsuit as pressuring Facebook to suppress the Post's accurate and factual reporting about Hunter Biden. Listen to this part. We know the FBI at the time was spying on Rudy Giuliani's online cloud with a covert surveillance warrant. <laughs> oh, they were. Therefore, it had access to his emails in August of 2020 from the computer store whistleblower John Paul MacIsaac. And to Miranda Devine, her text messages discussing when the Post would publish the story. It sure looks as if the FBI deliberately pre-censored a legitimate story for a political aim. You get what she's saying here? That because the FBI had an illicit, immoral, and potentially, I would argue, illegal warrant to spy on Rudy Giuliani, that as Giuliani is using his email system to text Miranda Devine, email Devine, and as the whistleblower... John Paul MacIsaac, who has a book out that I, uh, uh, I, I, part, I took part in publishing. Uh, he's the computer repairman who took the Hunter Biden laptop. They're communicating with each other about this laptop as the FBI likely in live time is reading their comms. That's how they got this pre-censorship uh, narrative ready to go, that this was going to be Russian disinformation before the story even broke in the mainstream media. Folks, this stuff is just genius, how they pulled this off. 
level of spying and dishonesty is just staggering. Read this story. Please read it before the election. This is what we're dealing with. We are dealing with a deep state that is real. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's real. You want more of it or you want less of it? There's one side to vote for here. Another thing you need to hear about before you vote on Tuesday. You're getting kind of a trend with today's show. Election deniers, spying, bankruptcy. Here's an Epic Times piece. Peter Schwab being the interest, uh, uh, excuse me, being the show notes today. Interest on government debt set to exceed the total annual defense spending for the United States. Interest on the debt. In other words, we spend so much money. The amount of money we're spending to service the debt exceeds the amount we're spending to defend the actual country from takeover. That seems to me like it's kind of backwards. We're going bankrupt, folks. Slowly but surely, we're going bankrupt. Now, am I suggesting to you the GOP is going to come in there tomorrow and clean up this entire mess? Of course, I'm not suggesting that. If I were suggesting that, I'd be lying to you. I'm suggesting to you that the Democrats want more of this spending, furthering your problems. And if you vote for them, they will bankrupt up bankrupt us a whole lot quicker. At least we can get some GOP people in there. The J.D. Vances and the Blake Masters and those types working with Mike Lee, Rand Paul and Ted Cruz and others. We can start to right this ship and turn it around. You confused about who to vote for, too? How about this story? News from a local newspaper up in Connecticut. You got Leora Levy running up there against the disastrous Richard Blumenthal. Make sure you get out and vote. Natural gas shortage this winter could lead to rolling blackouts in Connecticut, Eversource CEO warns. Rolling blackouts. What is this story about? Is it about Afghanistan? This story is about Connecticut. This is one of the wealthiest states in the union. It's where a lot of Wall Street people take their money and go to live to try to escape from New York. They'll now be escaping from Connecticut, too. Folks, bankruptcy, spying, election deniers on the left, political violence, their COVID response. This is all on the ballot. This lady at the Atlantic, Emily Oster, wants a pandemic amnesty, by the way, because of the Democrats' disastrous response to COVID. Jamming mask mandates down your throat, vaccines in your body, firing you. She says, let's declare a pandemic amnesty. She wrote this at the Atlantic. We need to forgive one another, Joe, for what we did and what we said when we were in the dark about COVID. Oh. How do you feel about that? Uh, e? No. Yeah. I mean, you didn't have to deliberate too long. But the, yeah. I, I'm, no. I'm going to give that a thumbs down. I'm going to say a big uh, family-friendly double-barrel middle finger. How about we don't do that? You know, there's this tweet up by uh, Vinay Prasad. He's a great account, a great follow on Twitter, by the way. He was addressing this. So the, the left wants to be forgiven for firing people, jamming shots in their arms, some that may have been totally ineffective at stopping transmission of the virus, firing them if they didn't do it, sticking masks on their faces, costing their kids years of their lives. Emotional problems? Nah, not interested. Sorry. You'll have to take that up with the almighty. He addresses some of the things they did in a massive Twitter thread. I can only, I put a few on there. Some of the things they tried to do and pulled off and they want forgiveness for now. What about discouraging people from outdoor activities? Lying about the evidence for cloth masks in community settings? Lying about the evidence for masking outside? Not running any randomized control trials of masking in high-income nations. Pushing masks on two-year-olds in contrast with WHO recommendations, evidence, and common sense. 
culling animals. Remember the cats in the bags? Using the police state to enforce your lockdowns. Not letting people hold their father's hand when their dads were dying. Not letting people visit their mom when they were hospitalized. Closing schools. Want forgiveness for this stuff? Mm -mm. Oh, there's more. Closing kids, but just for poor kids who go to public school. Rich kids got to go to school. Remember Gavin Newsom? Making testing companies rich by recommending unproven testing. Inventing a six-foot distance. Enforcing stupid distances to make it hard to run school buses. Lowering the regulatory bar for vaccines. Lying about myocarditis after the safety signals found in Israel. Never making drug companies test lower doses in young men. Doing absolutely nothing to mitigate the risk. Here's just a few more. You want forgiveness for this? Lying about natural immunity? Lying about boosters? Continuing the emergency state after it was appropriate? Vaccine passports? Discriminating against people by vaccine status? Preventing Novak Djokovic from competing in the U.S. Open? I think we'll pass on the amnesty and forgiveness stuff. Pat's a pass for Gee, too. He's now convinced, Joe. I think we'll vote otherwise on Tuesday. Folks, it's important I uh, get to all this stuff. Uh, we have an election coming up on Tuesday. This is my final appeal. I'm begging you humbly and respectfully, and I mean that. Please get out and vote. Your country is not going to save itself. I got one last sponsor to get to. Then we're going to get to questions for Dan. And then I will see you on my Fox show on Saturday night. Please don't miss it. It's a good one. Uh, take an ex we'll take a break for my next sponsor. All right, our last sponsor today, wearing the shirt, foldsofhonor.org slash squadron is the website. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the finest charities out there. I can't say enough positive things about them. Freedom's not free. Comes with a high price paid by American heroes and their families. Heroes like Navy Lieutenant Florence B. Chloe, who was killed in action on March 7, 2009 in Afghanistan. She's survived by her daughter, Kristen Chloe, but Kristen is not left behind. She's a multi-year scholarship recipient with Folds of Honor. An active 10th grader who loves volleyball, track, rock climbing, and misses her mom dearly. The Folds of Honor provides life-changing scholarships for the families of our military heroes like the Chloe family. Their noble mission now includes the families of first responders who were severely injured or killed in service. A need this great needs patriots like you. Folks, please help out. It's a great charity. I can't say enough about them. They are wonderful. Join the Folds of Honor squadron with a recurring donation of $13 a month. At foldsofhonor.org slash squadron, foldsofhonor.org slash squadron. It's an amazing charity. Please help them out. Thanks a lot. All right. Now it's time for questions for Dan. All right. Question number one. Hey, Dan, at Kathy Lee 0813. Is there a single issue you would say is the standard by which you vote for someone? Yes. I mean, I'm interested in a lot of issues, but I cannot vote for people who are pro-abortion. If you don't respect life, whether you pay taxes or have a Second Amendment to protect that life are kind of irrelevant because you're not alive to protect it or to pay your taxes or anything else. So, yes, don't get dead. And abortion gets a lot of people dead really quick. So, yes, that is one. I mean, if, if, there, if there was obviously I, I vote on a lot of things, but I, I you're pro-abortion. That's it. Sorry. Hey, Dan, at Dan McGrews, have you been interested in broadcasting for a long time or did you just sort of evolve into it over time? No, I had zero interest in broadcasting. However, I kind of got the bug. I'll give you a quick story. It's in my next book that I'm almost done with, by the way. 
I was doing a criminal case in the Baltimore field office with the Secret Service, and it got a lot of media attention. So they asked me to come on the local radio station. Joe, remember WBAL? So, yeah. You, you know C4? Remember C4? Clarence Mitchell IV? Yeah. I was on his show as an agent. It's the first time I was on the air. And when the light went on, folks, I said, man, that was pretty cool. And yeah, that's when I think the bug started. But no, I didn't think about it before that. Hey, Dan, Illinois conservative here. Yeah, he says, I know I need to move. My question for you is, you see any shot for Darren Bailey against J.B. Pritzker? I do. The Burgess 440. Why? Because J.B. Pritzker is spending an awful lot of money to win the governor's race in Illinois. He should be winning by 15 points. I always go by the money. Follow the money, baby. Not the talk. Polls are whack, as you just heard from Robert Cahaley. Hey, Dan, at numbers guy. We've had wave elections in the past and nothing's changed. What's going to make this one any different? What do you mean nothing's changed? I'm sorry. I don't understand what you mean by nothing's changed. A lot of things have changed. You got Obamacare. You got higher taxes under Biden. You got a massive effort to push mail-in balloting in states with Democrat governors. A lot of things have changed. Then you had the mid-1980s under Ronald Reagan. Employment rate, the employment rate in the fours. You had uh, growth rates of six and seven percent. Everybody was making money. The Soviet Union collapsed under pressure from us. A lot of things have changed. I don't mean to be sound like a smartass, but things change. We just need to get better people in there. Hey Dan, this is at Janet Davis. I watch your podcast every day on Rumble. Your voice is exactly what our country needs. Well, thank you. Keep it up. My question, have you ever thought about putting up a paywall like Ben Shapiro so we can watch without ads? Um, honestly, Janet, no, I haven't thought about that before you pose this question, but now I'm looking at Key like, maybe we should. Uh, I'd consider it. It's not some objection I have. I, I just, I have a, a subscriber account on Locals where people kind of live my life uh, <laughs> with my cell phone camera where I take videos once in a while. But uh, no, I never thought of that. But uh, we'll consider it. At AJ Race Stable. Hey, Dan, love the T-shirts you wear on your podcast. Who do you buy them from? Love your podcast. Listener from the renegade Republican days. Oof. Wow. That's a while ago. Man, that's like, uh, that's like eons ago. Uh, my shirts are from We The People. WeThePeopleHolsters.com. That's where I get the shirts from. This one, of course, is Folds of Honor, a charity I love. But uh, they're We The People Holsters. They're, uh, their T-shirts are amazing. They are a sponsor, uh, just so you know. But uh, they did not pay for me to say that. I just love their shirts. So, Hey, Dan, at Bones, you served as a Secret Service agent despite having a conservative political bias. Do all Secret Service agents have biases? And if so, they find it hard to do their job of protecting a politician they would vote against. Um, it's not just that Secret Service agents have biases. Everybody does, of course. Biases. Every, of course, everybody has. No, I have never heard anyone ever in the Secret Service ever even remotely hint that they were going to do their job better or worse based on the, polit uh, the politics of who they were protecting. Never. Matter of fact, if you said it in front of Secret Service agents, you would, honestly, you'd probably get laughed out of the room, if not reported to HR almost immediately. I'll tell you why. You may say, oh, you're making these guys sound like saints. No, I'm not. They just don't want to get killed. You're not going to go to a site with the president where they're going to attack the president knowing you're going to be standing right next to him because a guy next to you doesn't like the president. <laughs> That's crazy. 
not to mention immoral, unethical, and a total violation of your duties. So, no, I never saw that. Hey, Dan, at Lego Maniac Mom. Your dog, Lucy, is adorable. She is, I know. The cutest dog. You have any thoughts on getting a second dog or maybe a cat? Definitely no to both. No second dog and no way for a cat. I had a cat one time. Cats are great. My cat, I think, wanted to kill me. Um, Gee's getting a cat. Cats are awesome. They're a lot <laughs> more low maintenance than dogs. But I think the cat still had a little bit of lion in her, and uh, she wanted me dead. All right. Next question. Oh, that's it. That was the last question. I'm sorry. Gee, all right. That was question. What's your cat's name? Jenny? Jenny. We'll have to get an update on Gee's cat. Gee's cat. Folks, don't miss my Fox show, please. It's going to be mind-blowing, the opening monologue on The Great Reset. We uncovered a little video about what your Great Reset future is going to look like if you don't vote right. And when I say right, I mean voting for freedom and liberty be free from these totalitarian maniacs. It's going to be in the monologue tomorrow night, Saturday, 9 p.m., unfiltered. Set your DVR if you can't make it live. We've got a stacked guest lineup to our best one yet. See you tomorrow. Good day, sir. You just heard Dan Bongino.